Hello and welcome to another episode of the Double Coverage Podcast. Stacy Blackwood and Jake Thomas with you as always. Jake, how's it going tonight? Doing good, buddy. How about you? Doing good. Well, we're excited about this show. Uh, we got our first guest in our show's history, so uh, we look forward to that. It's Justin Smith from Touchdown Alabama Magazine, so yes. we look forward to hearing his thoughts on the, uh, the 2019 signing class for Alabama. Uh, we're going to talk about some NBA trades that's been going on today in the last couple of days, and we're going to talk about some Alabama basketball. So we got a busy show. We look forward to bringing it to you, and we appreciate the support. So uh, with that, we're going to dive into some, to some NBA talk. Uh, you know, there's a lot of trades that happened today and, and over the last couple of days. Uh, the trade deadline was at, uh, I think, 3 o'clock yeah. uh, today, Eastern, Eastern time. So uh, there was a lot of stuff going on while we were at work, but uh, we're going to kind of highlight some of the trades you know obviously the the biggest thing that was talked about all week was was possibly anthony davis being traded to the lakers or somewhere else well he was not traded i believe the pelicans uh catfished the lakers so to speak and kind of thought that may they may be able to get a lot for for anthony davis and and you know the lakers really kind of look like fools in my opinion Mm -hmm. yeah and that's you know I, it's bad on both sides because you know the Lakers need a, need another star I believe to go with LeBron and uh, the Pelicans well you know they can try again off season uh, they'll probably you know will get it but you know you you have four I think future first round picks that that the Pelicans offered or that Lakers had offered the Pelicans for them and you had a lot of good guys like Alonzo and. And uh, what's the other good good kid? Kuzma. Kuzma, yeah. And you didn't take it. I mean, four, you know, four future picks uh, would have would have been huge because you know you could have got no one pick out of it. You know, I, I don't know. think the Pelicans ever had any intentions of sending Anthony Davis to the Lakers. I don't either. But uh, some other other guys, uh, uh, Fultz, the number one pick from a couple of years ago, uh, was shredded to the Magic. Uh, one of the bigger ones today was the Raptors acquiring Marcus Saul. Uh, for Jonas Valanciunas and C.J. Miles, and I think a future second-round pick. Yep. So uh, you know that that's that's a good get for the Raptors. You know you got you get a, a veteran player who's going to get you a double double, can extend the defense with the three-point shot. Yep. So uh, that, that that's a good get for them. And another one is uh, you know Seven Sisters also got Tobias Harris. Now they can have a, a big four potentially. Yeah, they, they got a really good starting line. Yeah, MB Butler now Harris uh, Ben Simmons. I mean it's it's stacked. Yeah, they have a they have a really good uh, really good team now. And a, and a fairly weak Eastern yeah. know, division. So yeah. they they might be the favorites now ahead of Boston. Yeah, it's uh, I think it's really a, a three team race with with Toronto Boston. And in Philadelphia. Yeah. I think that's pretty obvious as far as the Eastern Conference goes. Uh, but, you know, another couple of other trades. Uh, Otto Porter uh, was traded from the Wizards to the Bulls for, for Jabari Parker and uh, Bobby Portis. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, we got to uh, uh, talk about our Alabama boy, Jamichael Green. Yep. Um, he was traded from Memphis to the Clippers uh, for, for uh, Avery Bradley and I think a couple other guys, you know, yeah. maybe some future draft picks. but. We wanted to, to shout out Jamichael Green, the former Alabama hoop star. Uh, the Lakers did did make a trade, and it's actually you know not a bad trade. I hate that they gave up Zubak. Yeah. But they, but they got they gave they gave Beasley and Zubak for uh, for Mike Muscala. 
you know, he's a he's a three-point shooter at the big position. So that they needed some more three-point shooting. They got Reggie Bullock yesterday from mm-hmm. uh from Detroit. That's another another three-point shooter. So yep. they're obviously trying to surround LeBron with some shooting on the outside cuz they're they're struggling percentage-wise from the three-point line. So that that was big for them. They struggled the other night, you know, bad against the Pacers. 42-point loss. That was the biggest in LeBron's career. So, you know, they they do need some shooting for sure. Um, you know, and there's also been talk about, you know, Camilla Anthony now, uh, he got traded to the Bulls, but I think he's getting bought out mm-hmm. at the moment. And uh, there's rumors that he could go to the Lakers now if he if he would like. So that's something to keep an eye on here in the next couple of days as well. Yeah, I'm not – Carmelo is kind of a weird weird guy as far <laughs> as basketball goes. It's, yeah. it's hard to kind of judge him. I mean, he's obviously a really talented player. He's on the back end of his career. But yeah. – it just seems like it's hard for him to mesh with with other players. Yeah, he, it seems like he needs to be the volume shooter, and he won't be with the Lakers. No, so uh, that that'll be interesting if that if that actually happens. And, and he really has. I mean, he was good with with the Knicks, but you know, to me, he was best at Denver. Of course, he was young, but he was the main guy there. And yeah, they had some they had some tough seasons with him, but he was the guy there, and that's what got his. His stock up pretty much for the Knicks to get him a few years ago, but when they got uh, Christmas Bazangus, you know, yeah, they just didn't didn't mesh well together. Yeah, and uh, you know, like, and we didn't. Melo's on the back end of his career. Uh, he he doesn't take care of his body as well as you know somebody like LeBron does. So, right. uh, you know, he's he really only has a couple more years left. But uh, you know, and you know, talking about the NBA, obviously James Harden is having a spectacular oh, season. Uh, he might be in the MVP run. Yeah, he's he he's the favorite for the MVP. I mean, he's averaging I think like thirty six points a game right yeah. now. So, and he's I think I, I forget how many straight thirty point games he's mm-hmm. had. Yeah, but it, he's 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 been incredible over the last month. You know, it's always fun to watch the NBA guys too. Just kind of a side note. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, walk into the games with their with their fashion and their their suits and their style. So uh, that's always fun to watch. Speaking of fashion, but moving on from the NBA, let's talk about some uh, some college hoops and more specifically some some Bama hoops. Uh, you know they got a big win last night at home against Georgia. I say a big win. I mean Georgia's one one of the bottom feeders in the SEC. But but you got to win. You got to win those games. Yeah. You know they they count as much as in the win column as you know beating a ranked team. It, it doesn't look as good on your resume, but it does count as a win. So. It's good to get that home win, especially after that tough loss against Auburn. And I'm, I think I tweeted after that game that Avery should just act like the Auburn game never happened because, you know, it, it really went like I thought it would and like most Bama Hoots fans thought it would. If Auburn was hot from the three-point line, it was going to be a long night for Alabama. And that's what happened. So you just kind of got to move on from that, uh, try to get better. And, uh, you know, they didn't really play well defensively in the first yeah. half against Georgia. And uh, they really stepped up on the defensive end of the floor uh, in the second half against Georgia. Yeah, and, you know, Mack was just killing it, you know, from the from the field last night. He uh, he had a big game, 25 points. Uh, our kid point guard, Kier uh, uh, Lewis Jr., had 24. Ingram showed up last night, had 11 points. Um, Patty had eight off the bench. Um you know, it's it's funny to me. It seems like when when Patty's having a down game, everybody else shows up, you know, steps in and and covers for him. But when he's having a big game, we can't get any help from anybody else. And uh, 
But uh, you know, we've been we've been close to um, you know we 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 was in it against Tennessee. You know, Peyton's had a big game in it, but uh, we got a big one coming up Saturday at Vandy. Our our record at Vandy is just atrocious, so yeah. I'm hoping we can change that because Vandy hadn't won a SEC game yet, and I did not want to be the, their first win. So. I hope the boys come out and play real hard. Yeah, you know, it really is. That's a, that's a tough place to play for anybody, and I, I know Alabama really struggles there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, this is their opportunity to get a win. Vanderbilt's struggling this year, and uh, so this is their opportunity to get that win on the road. Uh, you know, the, the, the rest of their schedule is pretty favorable for Alabama, yep. you know, so to speak. It was front-loaded when it comes to conference play. So they got a chance to, to finish well. Uh, you know, kind of talking about the Georgia game a little bit, uh, it was nice to see – Tevin Mack, get hot again from the field. We need more consistency from him. Yes. Uh, Kyra Lewis had his best game of the season, in my opinion, with 21, 24 points and seven assists. Uh, he didn't have his first turnover till I don't know, maybe three or four minutes left to go in the game. Yeah. So he, he, he played really well last night. Uh, that, that was really good to see. Uh, and, you know, when Daniel Giddens, when yes. he come in after uh, Galen Smith suffered a concussion, you know, the stat sheets don't show it, but he gave a quality 11 minutes. You know, he finished with four points. Uh, he had a block. Uh, he had a rebound. Uh, he made a fadeaway and mm-hmm. one. Yeah. So, that was – it was really good to see him get some minutes and, and then actually perform when he got his opportunity because, you know, he hadn't really played much this year. Yeah, he hasn't. And, uh, obviously, he's kept himself ready. And uh, when his when his number was called, he, he delivered for Alabama. Yeah, and – you know, we talked about the the favorable schedule. Uh, you know, we got Vandy, of course, coming up. Mississippi State uh, there, uh, Florida. They um, I watched them the other day against uh, Kentucky, and they they had Kentucky on the ropes there for a while. Uh, that'd be an interesting matchup. But you know, I can see I can see us. You know, maybe losing. You know, four at the most. I think uh, coming up. So uh, I, I think. I, if we if we show up at Vandy and and win at Vandy, I I have no no reason to believe that we couldn't make the NCAA tournament. I think we had us as a ten seed right now, so that that's huge. Well, right right now Alabama is five and four in conference play. If they duplicate that the remaining of the season, that would put them at ten and eight in yeah. conference play. And I've been saying since the beginning of the season, if they go ten and eight in conference play, they're getting in regardless of what happens in the SEC tournament. Mm-hmm. If they go ten and eight this year in the SEC, they will be in the NCAA tournament, and they'll probably be about a, about a nine or a ten seat. So I think right now the team that you see is about what Alabama is. Mm-hmm. You know, they're going to be about a ten seat when it comes to tournament time in March, unless something catastrophic happens. Right. But uh, but like like we said, it was a good win last night. Got to win a couple of these road games coming up. Uh, but you know, as far as the home schedule goes, we got we got an opportunity to get a couple big home wins against uh, Florida and LSU and, and, and Auburn. So yeah. if if you win all three of those games and win a couple of them on the road, you're going to finish the the conference uh, schedule pretty strong and uh, set yourself up for a good March. Yeah, and we can make some noise in the SEC tournament, I believe, too, if we continue playing at high level. Yeah. So uh, you know, that's that, we're really excited about Alabama hoops. Uh, you know, it's really getting into crunch time, you know. We're, yeah. we're getting close to mid-February. So, uh, a lot of big games coming up. A couple back, back-to-back road games now, uh, actually, like Jake talked about earlier, you know, play, play Saturday night uh, in Vanderbilt and then Tuesday night at Mississippi State before we, we play 
the next home game that we have uh, February 16th against Florida. So hopefully they can go 2-0 and on the road. 1-1 mm-hmm. and one would be okay. Yeah. So, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's going to be interesting to see what happens uh, when it comes to Bama Hoos. You know, we, we try not to get our hopes up because it seems like as an Alabama basketball fan, once you get your hopes up, they kind of let you down. So just right. looking for more consistent play from, yeah. from the ball club. And and I think it really starts with uh with uh, with John Petty. I don't know why I feel like that, but it, I just feel like John Petty is is kind of the glue of the team. Yeah. I don't know why I get that feeling. I think Kyra Lewis and Dante Hall are the most important players, but it seems like Petty is just kind of the X factor, so to yeah, speak. He is. So, Off the bench, especially. And and ever since he's been moved to the bench, he's played at at, at a higher level and in a more consistent level so mm-hmm. we hope that continues uh we hope the the team continue to improve and, and get better i hope they continue to play with more defensive intensity if the team will play with defensive intensity uh they're, they're going to be tough to beat because this year they can score they have they have a multitude of guys they can go to to get buckets so yeah. it's not like the past few years when when they couldn't buy a bucket yeah uh th- they can get some buckets now so uh it's just about you know playing playing good defense and, and playing hard on defense for, for the entire 40 minutes. I agree with that. And, uh, you know, something uh, we'll, we'll talk about uh, a little preview for next week, but uh, there's a big uh, MLB trade today. Uh, the Philadelphia Phillies uh, acquired uh, JT Realmuto. So we can talk about that next cast. So um, that'd be interesting to see, um, you know, especially with uh, spring training coming up. So, yeah, it's just real soon. So, it's right around the corner. You know, they're – that lineup is stacked now. So we'll be talking about that. We'll talk about the Braves. You know, I know a lot of people around here, Southern, you know, the South love the Braves. And, you know, I've been hard on this, you know, this offseason. So maybe they can still make noise. But what that's that's for another time. Yeah, yeah, we, uh, we'll definitely be touching on some baseball coming up with, the, with spring training and the pitchers and catchers showing up for uh, spring training real soon. Next couple of weeks. I think in the next, I mean, really just in a few days. So. Yeah. Uh, baseball's fisting to be hot and heavy. Uh, the NBA is, is, you know, building momentum as they head toward the All-Star break. Yep. And obviously March Madness is just right around the corner. So a lot's coming up. We look forward to bringing you all the coverage that we can. Uh, and one interesting thing, the All-Star starters have been picked, and LeBron has picked Kyrie at number three. So we'll see how, how they coexist in the All-Star game. Yeah, so obviously they, they've kind of – gotten over the the separation they had while in Cleveland. Yeah. So uh that'll be interesting to see, but uh well we're fixing to move into some National Signing Day talk and uh mm-hmm. we're going to bring in uh Justin Smith from Touchdown Alabama Magazine. All right, we have uh Justin Smith here with Touchdown Alabama Magazine. He's going to talk with us about the uh 2019 signing class for Alabama. Uh, it's the number one class by everybody except rivals. Uh but uh Justin, just kind of what's your thoughts on the class and uh, kind of the, the overall, you know, kind of perception of what this class can, can turn out to be in a couple of years? Well, I think overall Alabama got the guys that they wanted, that they really wanted to add to this class. I think they did miss out on some of the guys that they really wanted. I think overall they got some huge, huge recruits and guys that definitely could develop into some major stars in Tuscaloosa under Nick Saban. One, guys that, one guy that really sticks out to me, and he sticks out to many other guys. It's Antonio Alfano out of New Jersey. Good-sized kid, good-sized motor. He really had an impressive senior season, caused, caught many people's eyes. I know as many people know, 24-7 sports raised him as their, their number one player overall. So I think 
Overall, they got some good players. Offensive line class is pretty deep. The defensive line is pretty deep. They even landed a receiver in John Mechie, which they really di didn't really need a wide receiver in this class. But it, good, it, but it is good that they did land a four-star guy. So I think th this class ended pretty impressively. Yeah, you know, you, you mentioned Antonio Alfano. He's, he's both of our favorite player in the class for obvious <laughs> reasons. And, uh, you know, just what, what in, your, in your mind, what kind of makes him stand out against the other guys? Well, I think first it's his size. And it probably was because I think he did play against a little bit smaller competition. So I think it really stands out on his film. But I also think he, I think he, grew, to, he grew a lot in his game in between his junior season and his senior season. And I also think it's a, it's a product of not many people really going out to see him beforehand. So I think during his senior season, not everybody was like, oh, God, where did this guy come from? I didn't know he was this good. Even when he committed to Alabama, I don't think many people thought he was this good. I think it was lack of tape and people not really knowing what he really could do. And like once right. his senior tape came out and once he started putting up those big numbers, it was like, oh, Alabama really got a steal in Antonio Alfano. Yeah, he's he's obviously a special guy. And I, I believe I heard that he said he's already gained 17 pounds since he's been at Alabama. Wow. Yeah, I heard that too. That's, that's just crazy. Yeah. Oh, one thing uh, I like about Alfano, I was watching some, uh, some clips on him today. And, uh, you know, it's, it seems to me like he can read the read option really well. Like uh, some of the highlights I've seen, uh, he knew if the quarterback had it and he would tackle yeah. him or he knew the, the running back had it. So that's going to bring – that's going to be good for Alabama, I believe. Yeah, most definitely. That's one of the things that stood out to me from his original tape. He never outruns a play. It's like yeah. he knows exactly where to hit it, like that direct angle where he's going to stop it where it needs to be stopped. And I was like, oh, that's a very smart guy. He's not going to outrun it. He's going to time it perfectly. Yeah, I agree with that 100%, man. Yeah, another guy we wanted to talk about is, is the big offensive lineman, Evan Neal. I mean, that's yeah. true. He is a massive dude. Yeah. And, you know, he's, he's kind of another guy. You know, you mentioned how 24-7 uh, moved Alfano up. He's another guy that kind of kind of rose in the rankings late after uh, – I believe he, he participated in the Under Armour All-American game. And uh, yeah. he, he kind of rose in the rankings too. Kind of talk about him. Yeah, he's a – first off, his size. You have a 6'8", yeah. 300-pounder that can move, legitimate move and block yeah. and be – and that's, that's a pretty impressive in his own. But also he has – being at IMG Academy, you're going up against some of the best talent at practice. You're going to – you're playing some of the best teams in the country. So I think that is really going to help him translate to the next level because he has played against some of the guys pretty much they're going to play against for the next four years. He's already went against those guys. He knows his size, and Alabama's going to going to translate it – trying to translate that into more muscle. So only th I see he has a ton of potential. And many are predicting that he could come in and make that immediate impact. He definitely has the size. Like, you can't even get that much bigger than what he is right now. Oh, oh right. Yeah, he's a massive dude. And, and another, uh, another uh, lineman we got was uh, Pierce Quick. Uh, you know, uh, you know how, do you think both of them could be on the field next year as a, in a starting position? Do you think one of them is going to, you know, be, you know, left out for a year or two? Well, I, th I, think, I think Pierce Quick has a lot of potential. But if, if you ever seen Pierce Quick in person, he's he needs to gain on a little more weight. When you see him, he's like, oh, he's a, he's a pretty small guy to be an offensive lineman because he's pretty tall. So it's like, oh, I thought it was – when I first saw him in person, I thought it was going to be like a – had a little more weight on him. He's a bit of a slim guy. So I think if he wants to come in and make an immediate impact, he definitely needs to add on some more pounds. So I think Evan Neal has a better chance to come in and make that immediate impact because he already has that size. Right. Yeah, and you, you mentioned mentioned the depth of, of both the offensive and defensive line, you know, in this class. You know, obviously Saban 
wanted to make a point of that. And, and what do you think, especially for the offensive line, what do you think he's trying to, to do with, with the amount of guys they brought in? I, th- I think with the offensive line, I think he's definitely trying to re- – he's trying to reload. That's what, that's what Nick said always. We always want to reload, make sure he has those <laughs> guys in place. But I also think – I think he want to – in the future, I think he really wants a mature offensive line group. I think that's going to – that can go very go very long in the long run because when you think about this offensive line class, it's basically like a whole offensive line in itself because you have Darren Dacors on who, who's a center. You have like – you have the rest of the guys who basically fill out a whole offensive line class. But I think that's what he wants in the future. He wants a mature offensive line. He also wants some depth on the offensive line. Alabama battled some injuries in the offensive line this season, so depth is only going to help them. I agree. And uh, one other thing I like about uh, this signing class is I truly believe that we finally have a kicker that we can rely on late in the game if it comes down to it. Yeah. Yeah, I saw a lot of Will Riker this season. He's definitely pretty impressive. The most impressive thing about to me is not really his kicking ability. It's his resiliency and it's his, and it's his confidence. Like when I talked to him after the Alabama-Mississippi All-Star game, he already had aspirations to take the starting kick position. Like he literally said he's coming to start next year. So I was like, while wow, you're going to hear kickers with that type of confidence. And when you look at his tape and you watch him some this season, after every kick he made, he celebrated. He has a handshake. So like this guy is so confident. So that's one thing that stick out the stick out the rocket about me. Well, he'll he'll definitely have the opportunity to, to come in and take that that kicking spot away from uh, from Joseph. So that that'll be something to watch, you know, as as fall camp opens up and get closer to the, to kickoff time. And uh, you know, also talking about this class, uh, signed a couple quarterbacks. You know, obviously. And they're both big name guys, really, because yeah. of, of who their family. They're, I mean, they're really talented guys, but yeah. they come from you know famous families, you know, with yeah. with Paul Tyson and uh, Talia Tongavaloa. So just kind of talk about those guys, and you know, maybe some similarities, and then also their differences. Yeah, I think I think Talia Tongavaloa possesses some of the same mannerism as his brother. Like when he lines up, they pretty much walk the same. So they're, they're brothers. So yeah, they they, they possess those same mannerisms. But I think Talia is a bit faster. Than Tua, even though Tua was a dual threat, and Tua Talia's list as a pro right. style quarterback on most sites. But I think Talia possesses more of a more of a runnability than Tua does. I do think he plays a bit of throw around the ball, which he needs to work on that because he did throw quite a bit of quite a bit interception during his high school season. But he also shown flash of what he can do when he throws the ball and be a running threat. So I think he's definitely a huge get for the tie. As far as Paul Tyson goes. I think a lot of fans are definitely looking over Tyson because they're looking at Talib because he's to his little brother. And you think, oh, he's going to he's going to give to going to get the reins directly to Talib. But I think Paul Tyson is definitely a huge threat to that because he's already at six, four. And he's going to fill out his frame any, even more. And Paul Tyson can make those throws. Once he throw the ball, he put the ball directly where only his receiver can get it. I've seen him do it time and time this season. I think that's kind of I think he's kind of overlooked because of Talib at some points. And also. Paul Tyson is a guy who only threw four interceptions during his junior season because because he threw the ball only his receiver was going to get it. So right. I think Paul Tyson has a lot of upside. I think if Alabama fans thought Jalen Hurst and Tua battle was uh was very tough, this battle with Paul Tyson and Tua talking about Talia talking about low is going to be even tougher. Hey, I, I'm with you on that. I, I really like yeah. Paul Tyson. I like his size. He's more of that you know prototypical drop back passer than you know kind of yeah. what Alabama's had the last few years. And it kind of seems like with with the hires on the offensive side of the ball, uh, you know, they, they've kind of went back to some old school guys and, and some more, uh, you know, pro style 
uh, offensive coaches. So maybe that's something that Nick Saban's kind of looking towards and maybe trying to go back to more of a pro-style offense than, than the spread that they're currently running with two at quarterback. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely think with that old-style system, I would definitely lean toward Paul Tyson in the future because that, that was the one thing I kept thinking about. Like, Paul Tyson fits that old Alabama quarterback style that Nick Saban loves, like the Jake Coker, the John Parker Wilson. He fits that style. And I was like, Nick Saban loves that style. And he has a guy who's, who's going to – he already knows how to protect the football. And that's, that's why I think this well, Paul Tyson could really develop and become a big-time quarterback Alabama under that pro-style system. You know, and one of the one of the guys that uh you know at the early signing period that was kind of you know everybody was kind of unsure about was was running back Trey Sanders and he, he yeah. wound up signing with the Tide and I think that's a big time get with you know losing both uh, Damian Harris and uh, Josh Jacobs of the NFL. Kind of talk about what Trey Sanders brings to the table and also uh, the the other running back commit yeah. uh, that, that that signed yesterday and uh, Keelan Robinson. Yeah, I, well, Trey Sanders has pretty much everything you want in a running back and catch the ball out of the backfield. He's an elusive back. He's can he pretty much can do everything already. He's a, he can he knows how to block for the quarterback and pass coverage. And he also one of the things that stood out of, to me about him in his career is that he went to IMG Academy and he had to share the field with Noah Kane. So he already know how, knows how to share ball. He knows how to share carries. So he knows that experience. You hear about so many guys like Najee Harris and other guys. I, I think I heard about Brian Robinson thinking about transferring because they're, they're not getting carries. They're not getting the ball. They're not getting playing time. But Trey Sanders already knows that, oh, I know how to share the ball. I know how to share the ball with this guy, but we still can get shine. So I definitely think that Trey Sanders, that what really stood out to me about Trey Sanders. But Keelan Robinson, pretty much the same. He can add on some more pounds because he, he's a bit of a smaller guy, but he yeah. runs low to the ground. He can catch the ball out of the backfield. I think he's going to be pretty impressive. I think he got a chip on the shoulder. I think a lot of people have judged him as being too small and underrated. I know he posted it on Twitter the other day, so I think he carries around a chip on his shoulder, and he yeah. definitely runs with a chip on his shoulder, and I think that's going to translate to the next level. And he kind of reminds me of Josh Jacobs a little bit. Yeah, yeah. I don't think he's quite as talented as Jacobs, but I, yeah. I do see some similarities in their game as far as their size and, and kind of the way they run low to the ground and, yeah. uh, and can kind of make guys miss in the open field. But uh, another guy that I, I want, or no, another guy I wanted to ask about was, uh, you know, was Ishmael Softser. Mm-hmm. You know, that yeah. was kind of a didn't know if he was going to go to LSU or, or come to Alabama, and he, he did wind up signing with Alabama yesterday. Kind of talk about him because you know he's he's not really the the modern day defensive lineman at that size. You know, he, yeah. he's more of a built like a Terrence Cody and. Mm-hmm. And, and those type of guys from, you know, 10 years ago. But talk about how he, he can translate at the college level. I think he'll translate pretty well. He's pretty fast for a guy his size. Like, watching his tape, he's like, you wouldn't think a guy like his size could really move that quick. So, I definitely think he's going to – that's going to translate to the next level. He probably take a couple – he might need to take a couple years to develop. He definitely has the size. And I think Alabama has a pretty – what people need – what they probably ought to realize, Alabama has a pretty – Weak schedule coming up this season, so a lot of these freshmen are going to get early playing time, time to show a time games. It's going to be game times where they're going to be able to develop and show what they can do early and get some early playing time. So I definitely think Ishmael Sofshir is going to be his speed to me is definitely going to help him in the next at the next level. You know, and he he really carries the the three thirty pretty well. I mean, yeah. you know, yeah. for a guy his age. But uh, so I, I think I think he will translate pretty well once he you know has a year maybe in in the weight program and 
and gets a little, you know, they call it the baby fat off a little bit yeah. and, and, and shapes his body a little more for the college game. Yeah, another another thing I was really um, kind of um, shaky about Will Sopcher was his brother because I know he has a, such a close relationship with his brother. Once LSU offered him, I was like, oh, he's definitely going to go to LSU now because I was like, he always talked about I want to play with my brother and they, they have that close relationship. So I think that's pretty interesting that he – that he chose not to go with his brothers. I chose not to play with his brothers in the club. Yeah, I agree with that. And uh, I want to ask you, uh, who uh, who was the surprise commit uh, yesterday to Bama, and uh, who was the surprise that you, you think that we didn't get yesterday? Uh, let me see. The biggest surprise that we – well, I think Alabama – I, I kind of felt that Alabama was – could get Henry – I don't think I know how to pronounce his name right, but Henry Tioto. Yeah, he, uh, I, I thought they, I thought they were, they were gonna get him. Especially, I thought they, they wanted another inside linebacker, and he could yeah. come in and make an, uh get some early playing time. Has a chance to tribute early to an Alabama football team. I was like, oh, that, that'll be a huge get. And I thought they definitely want, was gonna make him priority because they wanted the inside linebacker. One guy I really think Alabama, I really hate Alabama missed out on is Nicobe Dean. I know other guys say he's a bit undersized, but I seen this guy play the way he floats to the ball and how quick he gets to the ball. It's like i never seen it in at the high school level. So I was like, I, I really hated that they missed out on the Kobe Dean. But a huge surprise to Alabama at one point. He's very quick to the ball. He's a very elite linebacker. Even though he is a bit undersized, I think he could have grown into that and could use that. I think he would have been a very – he's going to be a very line, very good linebacker at the next level. And I think the, the huge surprise get for Alabama would be Ismail Sopcher because I think I think this gonna definitely would was the surprise that they got yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And as far as Nicobe Dean goes, I, he he reminds me of Roquan Smith from, from yes. Georgia a couple of years ago. You know, a little bit smaller inside backer, but can fly sideline to sideline and make plays for your defense. But uh, uh, we we appreciate you jumping on and talking about this class, and uh, we're excited about the number one class. You know, everybody had counted saving out after last season. Yeah. You know, Georgia getting the number one class and. Uh, but Saban delivers with, with a number one class. And, you know, even looking ahead to 2020, right now they got the number one class yeah. uh, for 2020. So, I think – I don't think the dynasty is anywhere. <laughs> no. 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 <laughs> Only two of the top 300 recruits, you know, ESPN recruits, that's, a, that's amazing. Yes, it's definitely an amazing class. And I think this 2020 class is going to be even that much better. And it's going to be – and it's going to have a uh, – Big in-state presence also just the same as 2019 class did. I agree. Well, Justin, hey, we appreciate you hopping on here with us, and uh, we hope that maybe you can come back some other time. And uh, we hope you have a good night, man. See you. Yeah, I'll do the same, man. See you. Well, we appreciate Justin getting on with us uh, to talk about the, the 2019 signing class. Yes. Uh, but with that, that's all we got. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter at DoubleCub underscore pod. You can tweet at us using the hashtag DoubleCoverage. Uh, follow me, uh, Stacy Blackwood at Blackwood eighty nine, and I'm at JTH Double Cover One. So uh, just give us a follow, tweet at us, let us know what you think, uh, what you want us to talk about in the future, and if you have any questions, just let us know. We hope y'all have a good night, guys. See y'all.